honest, passionate, and doesn't pull any punches. It's Paladino Joey on the Purple Mafia Show, here on thesportstuff.com. Welcome to the family, here on Purple Mafia. I'm your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on thesportstuff.com and on iTunes. I thank each and every one of you always for downloading and listening to this show. Welcome back to another, well, Vikings win Sunday, I suppose. The Minnesota Vikings are now 6-7 and seven after a, well, a semi-thriller against a team that was that is now 2-11, the New York Jets, 30-24. to 24. So there you go. The Vikings also ended a 39-year losing streak to the New York Jets. Not that we play them every year, but just saying, the last time the Minnesota Vikings beat the New York Jets, uh, Joe Namath was quarterback, and it was way back in 1975. Oh, my God! Well, the good news, the past can be in the past now. It's finally over. Um, That's one of those strange anomalies that you run into once in a while. It's just like, wait a minute, yeah, I, yeah, I guess, wait a minute, the Vikings never did beat the Jets in my lifetime, did they? Huh. Because we had the game back in the mid-90s, I remember the Vikings uh, got stopped at the goal line and lost, it was unbelievable, I still remember that, Brad Johnson was on fire, and the pass defense of the New York Jets at the time was, uh, excuse me, the run defense of the New York Jets at the time was un- was extremely strong, and the pass defense not as strong, so what does Dennis Green like to do? run the ball, and we ran out of time, and that was it, because we had no timeouts left. Great play. Another Denny Green moment there. Um, then we had the wonderful game against the Jets back in uh, 2010, Brett Favre and all that, standing out there in the rain. I still remember him standing there with that grim look on his face. Randy Moss made his debut on that super team um, with Favre, Peterson, and Moss, who looked like the Miami Heat. Ended up being, well... <laughs> I, I'm not even sure who to compare him to. I, I guess the New York Knicks, basically, what the New York Knicks are right now with their super team. They're like 4-17 and 17 or something. Might be recording Timberwolves' explosion tonight as well, hopefully, if co-host guy shows up. <laughs> Marcus the forecaster. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Vikings have not really beaten the Jets very often. And the Vikings don't play the Jets very often either. Uh, I don't have the whole list of games between the Vikings and Jets in front of me this moment. Maybe I'll pull that up in a little bit. If I feel like it, right? But, ultimately, I mean, it was a fun football game. It's just the frustration of, well, why are we playing this close to the to a 2-11 and team, or 2-10 and at the time team, that's, um, you know, been struggling all year. They're, I don't know if they're giving up on their coach or what it is, but he, one way or another, he's not coming back. There's another coach who probably won't be coming back when we to his team when we get into segment number two, the NFC North roundup, because I tend to bleed out into the regular NFL, not just the NFC North sometimes when I get into that. And this week I probably will because Green Bay Packers don't even play till tomorrow night, so I apologize for that. That's just how it goes, though. Got to record the show when I can. You know, I got to strike when the, when the iron's hot. I can't just uh, not record and then all of a sudden... You got no show <laughs> all week. Like, what? you know, what, what do you do? So that's how it goes with the, the overtime schedule right now. And that's why, you, yeah, this is like the only show I've been doing of late. 
So again, I apologize for that. So let's just get on to the actual game review itself. Didn't take long for the Vikings to to, uh, get, to get things going, to get on the scoreboard. First play of the game, Geno Smith throws it. Well, some people say he threw it right to Gerald Hodges. I wouldn't say it was right to him, but I mean Gerald Hodges had to make a play. And I, that's why I'm saying give Gerald Hodges some credit. He had to make a nice leap to grab that thing. But he got it. And... Bombs away, he just ran it back 27 yards for a touchdown. It's like Gerald Hodges has been kind of like a urban legend of late, in a sense. Um, and I'll get to an urban legend later. But uh, yeah, it's like, where had he been of late? It was kind of strange. Making his name known multiple times today, played an excellent game. He's got to be a Fran Tarkenton candidate. Not, I don't think he's going to win it, but he's like an honorable mention. He's, he's on the list. Teddy Bridgewater. Later on, when the Vikings finally did get the ball after they stopped the uh, the Jets second time around, Jets just had to punt the ball. Vikings pinned very deep, though. Back in the end zone, Matt Khalil basically looked like he was trying to block two players. And, uh, <laughs> and Richardson, Sheldon Richardson, went pretty much went right around him. Matt Khalil looked like he was trying to block the uh, defensive tackle instead of Sheldon. And Sheldon Henderson went right around him. Sack Teddy Bridgewater in the end zone. We know what that's called. It's called a safety. And we had a nice little odd score of 7-2. to two. Ouch. Uh, that was kind of embarrassing. Again, it's kind of like one of those it happens type things, I suppose. The next thing you know, a familiar name that I didn't even mention on last week's show because I'm just such an awful guy and because he'd been so irrelevant. And I mean so irrelevant. And you're, you're going you're to hear another wacky stat. This, this show is going to be filled with wacky stats to be quite honest, because it was just that kind of game and that kind of uh, stars aligning, per se, you know, the time and the place for this to happen type of thing. It's going to be one of those type of shows. It's going to be like an oddity, I guess, type of show, at least on a positive end for the most part. But a guy that uh, you haven't really heard about much other than he's been getting traded and he's unhappy here, he's unhappy there, he's unhappy in the in the uh, the happiest Locker room in the history of football, the Seattle Seahawks, which I still don't like, because I, I mean, <laughs> good for them and everything, but I still consider them a team that I'd rather beat than cheer for, I guess. I, I just don't like them, and also being a 49ers fan, that kind of adds it together. Hey, you know, they're like my second, third favorite, third favorite team overall. Second or third, kind of them in New England. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Chrissy Harvin's not happy anywhere he goes. But today, I guess he was happy in TCF Bank Center. TCF Bank Stadium, whatever you want to call it. Stadium, pardon me. Because he had a hell of a game. He sure did. He was the kind of like what a lot of us hoped he was, I guess. Minus the migraines. Minus the attitude. Minus this. Minus that. Minus the marijuana. What, what, whatever the heck it was that was like preventing him from being what he should be. An, an elite talent in this league. That's definitely an urban legend. <laughs> There's going to be like a couple today, I guess you could say. <laughs> I've got kind of a silly one that I'm going to get to soon about uh, the Percy Harvin replacement. <laughs> he was the urban legend last week, without a doubt. But there'll be something regarding him in a moment. But uh, Percy Harvin, ultimately with a 35-yard touchdown. And it was the kind of play that you never saw him make as a Minnesota Viking, quite honest, because it was a fairly deep play. It was actually a deep pass. And he made a deep reception along the way also earlier to lead to this touchdown. It was like a 45-yard catch. I was like, what the hell? 
Percy Harvin making a 45-yard catch down the field? Yeah. Kind of weird. Kind of unexpected because it seemed like the only time Percy Harvin would get loose was like those screen passes. He would catch the ball, make a couple moves, and then blow by people. Maybe even run some guys over. Break a tackle here, break a tackle there. And then there's your 35-yarder. There's your 45-yarder. You didn't really see him make too many uh, deep pass receptions. I was always basically coming on the air. You can't throw deep to Percy Harvin. He's too short. And every time you throw it to him, it's like a small target. And it's like the ball, the pass has to be absolutely positively perfect. And there has to be nobody near him for him to make the catch. For him to make a play on it. Because just that's just the way it is with him. Yet, today, I, uh, I guess... <laughs> I guess it's just a whole different ball game, and I guess it's because he's playing against us. Regardless of our defense is good or not, Percy Harvin looked like the player that we wished he was. They are who we thought they were, right? Basically. But there was that 35-yard catch, and all of a sudden the Jets have the lead, and it's like, just like that, all of us are thinking, what the hell, where did we lose control here? What's, what's going on? Well, we didn't lose control because Teddy Bridgewater (laughs) is still answering the critics right now. And he's answering them in a good way. Very, very solid game last week. Very efficient. Made some strong throws, but nothing. But there was never that deep pass. That deep play. Remember how Tim Hasselbeck came out and said, you know, he had the opportunity to make those deep passes and complete them, but he just didn't make them against the Bears, against the Packers. And, and earlier in the year before that, wide open plays or, you know, plays that were makeable, per se. Maybe the guy's not wide freaking open, but it's a makeable play. It's it's very doable if you're a good quarterback. But today was the signature play. The signature play. This was the play that all of us are going to say, there it is. If, te- if Teddy Bridgewater ultimately becomes a very good to great quarterback in this league, this play right here to Charles Johnson is, I mean, will be that signature play that got it that got it all started. It made us believers. Regardless if the Jets' pass defense is good or not, and I was saying Teddy Bridgewater would be the key to this game because the run defense of the New York Jets is outstanding. It's like fourth in the league. Their their ultimate their their run offense is like fourth in the league as well. It's certainly in the single digits, and they they have a nice duo there. Like neither one of them is elite, but they're both good. They're both four. They have both four or five hundred yards on the ground. Being Chris Ivory and Chris Johnson, the Chris's. So today's key was Teddy Bridgewater, and the passing game. Well, <laughs> a fifty-six yard touchdown play to Charles Johnson, who didn't have to turn around to make the catch, who didn't have to uh, who didn't have to fly and dive for the ball to make the catch. It was literally in the basket. The bread was in the basket. It was right over Charles Johnson's shoulders where he was able to catch it in stride. He didn't have to turn right or turn left. He just went exactly where the ball needed to be. He went exactly where he needed to be in order to make a, to complete a touchdown play. It was a perfect throw. Absolutely perfect throw. And, of course, Charles Johnson making the catch that he needed to make. And he beat his uh, defender along the way to get there. Signature play for Teddy Bridgewater to get things started in his career. It was absolutely awesome. And a defining moment to get things started for Teddy Bridgewater's career. Extremely pleasing for myself. And for me, this was ultimately the play of the game. Not even the final play of the... uh, For me personally, as coming in here right now, 
not talking playoffs. I'm not talking playoffs of the six and seven team right now, and with the type of you know talent that is in this division and in the NFC, I'm not talking playoffs. We'll get there when we get there. If the Vikings win three games, the last three games here, okay, more power to them. Nice five game win streak to wrap up the season, and if we somehow sneak in with a nine and ten record, great. But we're not talking playoffs until you know week seventeen. <laughs> at the latest, or at the earliest, so it's just how it is, guys, I'm sorry, or we'll say maybe week 16, like, if they win today, and this happens, okay, but let's let's get there when we do, and when we're talking about the next week's opponent, well, I don't know, and, and it's, it's not a home game either, so we'll get to that when we get to it. Ultimately, the Jets are able to get a drive together, didn't really... <laughs> They wound up with only a field goal out of it. Luckily, this was after Cordero Patterson fumbled the ball. You gotta love that. A fumble by Cordero Patterson. Almost got things real interesting for us. Almost put the Jets ahead. Actually, that's much, you know. Nope, nope, that was the right one. Uh, ultimately, put the Jets ahead. But no, the Vikings defense stopped things. And this was after the Jets fumbled as well. So the Jets gave us a fumble, and then Cordell Patterson with the urban legend of his uh, gold gloves. Gold gloves for Cordell Patterson, and he fumbles. That's a great uh, combination. <laughs> gold glove in baseball means you're the best uh, defensive player at your position. And it's just, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's nothing against the gold gloves. Go ahead and wear them. I mean, whatever. It's just, but if he's trying to be flashy like he's some kind of star, you're not a star, Cordell. You're just not there. You're not a star. Sorry, you're just... <laughs> you're not a star, man. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't go there. Um, but even before that, but, but even ultimately, though, I should mention, <laughs> this is why you write things down so you don't, like, go through the show and, like, forget about what you were going to say, is that that touchdown by Percy Harvin... That he did finally, that he did catch to put the Jets uh, in command, or in the you know, with a small lead of nine to seven, was his first touchdown reception since 2012. And guess who his quarterback was? That's right, it was his favorite quarterback, the guy that uh, <laughs> the guy that he was screaming at Leslie Frazier about on the sidelines. Well, if you're <coughs> so unhappy with uh, Christian Ponder, how come he was the last quarterback to throw you a touchdown? Just who's really, just who's really the screw up here, Percy? Just, just who really is? I mean, who's the guy who wasn't available due to one injury after another? I mean, who, who's the guy that can't stay healthy? And yes, there's bad luck and all that good stuff, but sometimes it's on you too to stay healthy. It, it really is. It's just one thing after another. Complain, complain, complain. So there it is. But yeah, the uh, <laughs> to get back to his replacement. The urban legend of last week, the, the urban legend of the uh, the urban legend for the Vikings anyway this week is those gold gloves. It's just kind of funny. He wore the gold gloves to kind of make himself stand out, and, and he fumbles. It's just that 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 that's just classic, isn't it? Isn't that just how it goes? <laughs> Absolutely classic. But again, luckily the Jets held the three. Vikings defense tested yet again after a pretty action-packed. First quarter, which the Vikings were would come out with the 14 to 12 lead. The Vikings went on another drive in the second quarter. Things looking solid again. Teddy Bridgewater getting it, you know, completing one pass after another. In fact, his completion percentage was 100. percent His quarterback rating was 
158.3 pretty much the whole first half until like the last couple minutes there. <laughs> it, it was incredible. Teddy Bridgewater, awesome game overall today. Looked like he was going to get a second touchdown pass in the first half. How about that? And to the same guy, his new favorite receiver, Charles Johnson, the guy who has taken away the starting position of the aforementioned Cordell Patterson. <laughs> but unfortunately, Charles Johnson had the ball knocked loose. It fell down into the end zone. And <laughs> but luckily Jerome Felton was able to recover it for no game for a touchdown and the Vikings took a 21-12 to lead a lot of us very very excited thinking here we go Vikings are going to bust this thing open it's going to be 31-12 to before you know it or 31-15 or whatever the heck it's going to be but the Vikings were going to bust things wide open and you know but ultimately that it wasn't meant to be the Jets defense started playing a lot better the Vikings defense started playing better, and then it got kind of it got kind of boring. Second quarter got a little bit on the boring side. We were all kind of like, eh, you know, like they both teams started to kind of go more towards the running game, per se, and we'd end up maybe we'd get a first down or two, but then ultimately have to punt, and that was unfortunate. But that's the way it was. That was most of the second quarter, and ultimately the the whole stat and the situation with the Charles Johnson. Uh, non-touchdown was that, yeah, he the, the yardage for Johnson and Bridgewater count up to the one-yard line and then Jerome Felton gets a no-gain touchdown for the recovery. So that's basically how that works. See, the ball fell out of Charles Johnson's hand when, he had, when he, his feet were on the one-yard line and ultimately the ball rolled forward. So that's why that statistical anomaly <laughs> came together. And it's obviously not the first time. It's like the, you know, 500,000th 500, time that's happened in the NFL. So it's not like it's the first time it happened or anything. It's just that, hey, man, eh, you know, some sometimes people want to know what the heck, how, how come that's not a touchdown for Bridgewater? Well, that's why, obviously. And I kind of knew that was going to happen, and it's unfortunate, but it's just, well, that's on Charles Johnson. He screwed over Teddy Bridgewater for with a touchdown pass. He would have 11 this year instead of 10, but... Eh, it is what it is. You take what you can get. The Jets were able to take what they could get, and they were able to manage a field goal. They just could not get it done. Again, the Vikings' defense stood strong enough to prevent uh, to prevent the uh, the Jets to score another uh, touchdown. Wound up with a field goal. So twenty-one fifteen was the end of the half. And Bridgewater heaving the ball towards the end zone through an interception on the last play of the half. That's what certainly killed any chance of. <laughs> Perfect quarterback rating. So, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. They were, they were trying to make a big play at the end. It looked like it was possible, and it was possible, but ultimately the ball just drifted into the the wrong hands, and that was the New York Jets. So, there it is. It certainly wasn't a, a bad play or anything. It's just kind of like a punt, basically, is what it was. Like a, a well, it's a Hail Mary. It's either going to be intercepted, caught for a touchdown, or incomplete. But then again, you could say that about every pass. <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately, in that case, it's just um, it's just a it's going to be a touchdown, and not not a completion. It's either going to be a touchdown, incomplete, or a uh, interception. So all and ultimately, it was an interception. It just is what it is. There you go. Third quarter was another uh, was a disappointment for the Minnesota Vikings. Anytime you thought they had an opportunity to do something, they didn't get anywhere. Um, the New York Jets defense suddenly looked way better again. The Vikings would get a couple yards, but then they ultimately wouldn't get anywhere. And the Jets were able to kick a field goal. 
to make it 21-18. Later into the fourth, Blair Walsh had a chance to uh, put the Vikings uh, further ahead. But no, he missed. He missed a 39-yarder, and a lot of us were like, oh no, that's not good. <laughs> and then the Jets tied it up. I mean, the fourth quarter was about as grinded out as the uh, the third quarter for the most part. Lots of field goals. That's all I really... I mean, it was either a field goal or nothing, pretty much. Only one field goal was made the entire third, and that was the, the Jets. A lot of us were thinking the Vikings were going to lose this one. It was uh, pretty disappointing. It was uh, a very bad time for a miss, too, for uh, Blair Walsh. thought the Vikings were going to pull ahead and everything, get that, get that six-point lead and everything would be okay. But a really key time to miss, and it's like all of us knew it. We're gonna go to, we're gonna probably wind up going to overtime. And watch, watch, we're gonna lose this game to the New York Jets. Unbelievable thought. Later on, though, Blair Walsh did give the Vikings the lead back at twenty-yard field goal because we just couldn't get in the freaking end zone. That was too bad. Could not get, could not get that done. Teddy Bridgewater tried to run it in, but it just didn't happen there. It's just one of those things. He ran out of opportunities. A non-call on a uh, throw to Greg Jennings. Everybody thought he was interfered with, but he wasn't interfered with. No, I mean, the ball was so far away. That's why the referees called it. I know there's going to be some irritated people about that play, and I can understand why you would be, but the ball was way far away from Greg Jennings when they showed it from like the uh, the field angle rather than like the side the side angle that you normally see on the television. There's no way Greg Jennings was going to catch that ball. It was like 15 feet in the air, and it was way far away. There was no way. So it, it just was what it was. Unfortunately, um, it was. You know, I mean, at least it wasn't. The, at least it wasn't intercepted. <laughs> but yeah, the Vikings they were able to take the lead. But of course, of course, the New York Jets got a field goal out of it. They had to settle for it because well, the Vikings defense stopped the Jets. Thank God they were able to sack Geno Smith along the way, but they made the field goal, a lot of us were scared, next thing you know, you go to overtime, the Jets win the toss, but but luckily, <laughs> luckily the Vikings defense was able to hold strong after the Jets were able to get into Viking territory, after some good runs along the way, Percy Harvin made a catch along the way too, and they're like, oh no, here we go, watch, <laughs> just watch, watch him break loose and the Jets win the game, but no, it just wasn't meant to be. Ultimately, the Jets uh, had to punt the ball. And after a couple of runs by Matt Asiata that had us at third and four, Teddy Bridgewater threw what looked like it would be a fairly fairly harmless uh, screen pass. Maybe we'd get a, maybe we'd get the first down, and then we'd have to you know obviously have to hope for the best after that. Maybe we'd get like about seven, eight yards on it. You know, okay, first down, good play. There you go, you know, move the chains. Let's go. But no. <laughs> Jerry Wright made pretty much one move. Next thing you know, <laughs> he caught it in the flat, of course. And next thing you know, he was running towards the sidelines and he uh, obviously running forward as well. And he only had one guy to beat and it was the same guy. <laughs> Sheldon Richardson who sacked Teddy Bridgewater twice. But there's nothing Sheldon Richardson can do. He's not going to keep up with Terrius Wright. I'm going to debut the nickname right now. Flight 17, ready for takeoff. And Flight 17 took off, and there he goes. 87 yards. <laughs> and the Vikings won the football game on only the second, uh, well, third play. 
third play for the Vikings in overtime, and we won the game. It's like you have to hope and pray. It's some kind of big, huge play like that, like a pick six by Harrison Smith earlier in the season, or or a play like that just now, where Jerry Wright just runs right through everybody, and it's adios, bye-bye. That's basically what you have to hope for, some kind of huge, like, unbelievable play, because it's, if it's a, a nail-biter type of game, it seems like the Vikings don't win those type of games um, in overtime, regardless if it's the New York Jets or the or the Seattle Seahawks. You know, regardless of what level of play your opponent, the Vikings' opponents have been, they don't seem to play well in those close games, and we know all so well with the Buffalo game and even the Chicago one, ultimately, games that just did not work in the Vikings' favor when a lot of us feel they should have. Let's wrap things up with a couple stats, though, ultimately, for this uh, game review, and I'll kind of continue to talk about the play of certain guys. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater finished with a quarterback rating of 117.7, 70% completion percentage, 309 yards, and yes, it was bloated with the 87-yard touchdown and all that good stuff, but there were plays that could have been made where the offensive line let Teddy Bridgewater down, ultimately. Um... Multiple times, Teddy Bridgewater would have to throw the ball away, including that Greg Jennings play. He ended up throwing a kind of a you know a pass that was way far away from the defenders to uh, avoid an interception and to also avoid getting sacked. So that's been the big problem. And of course, Sebastian Balls mentions that in the uh, fan interaction part. That's two whole segments away still, if you can believe that. This is a longer game review this time because this was a fascinating game. This was a it was a very fun, enjoyable game for somebody viewing, especially people that might not realize the uh, that the New York, if, if you don't really think about the New York Jets record and you just are watching it for the love of football itself, it was a fun game to watch. It's just extremely irritating, though, for those of us that have been watching the Vikings for many years and to see us have to tango around with the New York, with a 2-10 two, two and ten team at home. Kind of annoying. But again, ultimately for viewer... For viewership uh, qualities, this was a solid game to watch. Geno Smith played fairly well. In fact, along the way, Teddy it went from like Teddy Bridgewater was way ahead of Geno Smith to he was pretty much neck and neck by the fourth quarter, and that was kind of <laughs> hard for a lot of us to accept at the time. But ultimately, the uh, nice play and the uh, break loose by Jerry's Wright really separated the two in a big way. Gave Teddy Bridgewater an extra touchdown and an extra uh, 87 yards, but maybe it wouldn't have been... Uh, he would have still gotten more yardage, though, I think. I think I get the vibe Teddy Bridgewater would have taken the Vikings um, down to a score because, obviously, as it goes, you win the toss, you can uh, you take the lead with a field goal, you win the game with a touchdown, but if that team fails to score, the uh, secondary team that lost the toss can win the game with a field goal or a touchdown. So just any type of score and you win the game. Heck, even a... Probably even a safety. Yeah, even a safety if, say, the Jets had to get the ball or were able to get the ball back and the Vikings scored a safety, they'd win the game. I wonder when I, I wonder when when that's going to happen, that a team wins a game with a safety. Hmm. And I'm sure it has happened before, but probably not since the format changed conveniently after the Vikings and Saints game. That was, uh, yeah, wouldn't it have been nice to see Brett Favre with the ball one more time? As long as he, uh, you know, he probably, you would hope he wouldn't choke twice. But <laughs> uh, New York Jets uh, had time of possession, seven more minutes than the Vikings. Total yardage, oh my God. I mean, how close was this? 410 for the Jets, 411 for the Vikings. First down, yeah, first downs, 19 for the Jets, 18 for the Vikings. So very close in the overall offensive statistics. Uh, 
there was an interception also for each team. <laughs> uh, obviously, we had Gerald Hodges' interception ended up being the uh, pick six and all that stuff. A pretty bad interception for Geno Smith. Apparently, his eighth uh, pick six of his career. That's a that's a lot of pick sixes. It's starting to sound like Christian Ponder over there. And, and he is better than Ponder. Uh, I'm watching him. He's better than Ponder, but he's not better than Bridgie, in my humble opinion. Um, that's a pretty ugly statistic. See, there's another anomaly. This show is filled with them today. Just filled with them. Um, again, uh, yeah, Jarius Wright, 123 yards on the day. And it's kind of also like, where has he been? It's like he was just missing again, just like Gerald Hodges. Two players that have been missing in action for a while due to the schemes and all that stuff and the fact that they weren't they just weren't put out there to play. Um, I think a lot of us would rather see Jarius Wright out there than Cordero Patterson. And isn't that sad? And how many times has Cordero Patterson targeted today? Zero. How many times did he uh, catch the ball? Of course, zero. So there it is. Way to go. <laughs> way to go, Cordero Patterson. Way to be a way to uh, piss the coaches off enough that they don't even want to even include you in the offense anymore. It's like they just don't give a damn about him anymore because it seems like he doesn't give a damn. <laughs> and as they said on one of the uh, post-game shows today, sounds like he's more interested in going out and buying jewelry than uh, being an excellent football player that he could be. Um, a lot of uh, Joe Banyard fans probably not too happy with today, ultimately, because he didn't get the ball much. In fact, he only had one rush, and it was for nine yards. The guy's got talent, and he's what they call a north-south runner. He goes forward. He's not he's not constantly east-west trying to like make a big play by juking somebody out. He's a uh, north-south, and he's actually a pretty fast guy. One carry. Ben Tate's pretty north-south as well, and he had a eight-yard gain on his first carry. Ultimately, only finished with 15. Jarius Wright with that reverse play, though. Very, very nice play. Since we can't use Cordero Patterson for that anymore, I guess we got to use Jarius Wright for it. And he got 23 yards rushing on the day for that. And Matt Asiata, the starting running back of the Vikings, 54 yards on the ground, 2.8 a carry for a long of 8. So you're not going to get any type of massive yardage out of Cordero Patterson. Um, <laughs> Cordero Patterson out of... Uh, Matt Asiata. Now I'm getting confused and mixed up because of, I'm trying to get to Jarek McKinnon. He's out for the season now. He's been put on IR. Does this mean Adrian Peterson's coming back? Uh, it's like a 50-50 chance at this point. Is he going to win his? Uh, is he going to win his? Is he going to win his appeal? I don't know. And is it ultimately going to matter? Maybe. Maybe not. That's why Ben Tate's on the roster, you know, folks. And that's why Joe Banyer's activated because, well. Jarek McKinnon's out, and Adrian Peterson's probably probably not coming back. So, that's just how things go there. Everson Griffin had his 12th sack of the season today. Didn't have his best game ever, though. In fact, he missed two sacks along the way, which ultimately led to the Jets tying this game up and possibly winning it. Two key plays where the Vikings could have made huge sacks along the way. Chad Greenway and... Everson Griffin missing a really big one late, uh, late, which ended up leading to one of the scoring uh, field goals that ended up tying the game. And uh, another play in overtime. Geno Smith did get loose, and it was like, oh my god. But luckily, it wasn't for even a first down. So, very fortunate for the Vikings that we were able to make the stop after that play. <laughs> Just imagine, I mean, how many times do you have to miss a sack and ultimately get... Uh, Get get burned on the next play. In fact, on one play, 
Eric Decker made the, made a huge gain because that was where Everson Griffin and Chad Greenway missed the sack. Looked like a guaranteed sack at that point. Greenway looked like it looked like he had him, but he didn't wrap him up. Next thing you know, <laughs> Eric Decker has the ball, <laughs> and 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 away he goes, almost to the end zone, but not quite. Captain Munnerlin, I thought, was pretty lousy today. Lots of, I mean, he, he had bad, he had a battle, at least one bad penalty, and ultimately was one of the uh, reasons the Vikings were getting beat out there. Quite frankly, Brian Robinson and Harrison Smith adding in the sack category. Three sacks for the Vikings today. Everson Griffin leading the Vikings on the season with twelve, and Brian Robinson trying to earn, uh, trying to continue to earn his his new contract that he got last season. So, rock and roll there. And actually, Sheldon Richardson, I thought he had two sacks. He wound up with three. Absolutely crazy. So, he was definitely one of the players of the games for the New York Jets defensively. Um, a lot of us would agree the player of the game for the Vikings defensively today is the same guy that's been phenomenal the last couple, the last several weeks now. He just continues to get better and better. And yes, Gerald Hodges is included in this, but it's Xavier Rhodes. Gerald Hodges, by the way, huge game. He had two passes deflected along with that pick six. But uh, Xavier Rhodes, three passes deflected. Geno Smith on several plays. Looked like he was going to get something going. I mean, you know, looked like he had a, uh, something going, but Xavier Rhodes was there and made the, made, made the, made the stop, knocked the ball down, or just... Got in the way. Didn't have to necessarily deflect the pass, but got in the way. So, yeah, Xavier Rose continuing to be an, a shutdown corner. And it's just amazing that we can be able to say that with the Minnesota Vikings cornerback. A shutdown corner is Xavier Rose. And, uh, man, does that feel good. Oh, it feels unbelievable. So, ultimately, let's wrap things up for the time being. Other than the fact that, yeah, the guy that was on Percy Harvin the whole game and was getting beat. Can, can you guess who it was? Yeah, it was Josh Robinson. Oh, come on! Are you surprised? Well, you shouldn't be. You really shouldn't be. But ultimately, a wonderful little win for the Vikings today. Very cool. A nice momentum builder. And, of course, giant steps for Teddy Bridgewater today. That's right, folks. I changed it. Giant steps for Teddy Bridgewater that big pass and that huge first half, and of course being clutched late in the game again. Teddy Bridgewater, giant steps forward today. We'll be back right after this. Ah, winter and snow are back again. Nothing tastes better this time of year than vanilla bean buffalo sweat by Tall Grass Beer from Manhattan, Kansas. This vanilla bean edition of buffalo sweat literally warms your innards in this outstanding stout with that warming vanilla kick. Don't forget to try 8-Bit Pale Ale, the official beer of this podcast. When you see Pac-Man licking his chops, you found an amazing can and an even better beer. Check out the many other wonderful beers Tallgrass offers on their website at www.tallgrassbeer.com. Use their beer locator to see what's available in your area. You can follow Tallgrass on Twitter at TallgrassMN and like them on Facebook. Simply search for Tallgrass Minnesota. Tallgrass Beer bringing people together over a beer since 2007. Too busy to sit in front of a computer? Simply download Purple Mafia on iTunes for Apple devices. For Android, download the Double Twist app. And for Windows and BlackBerry phones, simply find us in the store. 
And now, back to Paladino Joey. And we are back here on Purple Mafia. Segment number two, it is time for the NFC North Roundup. And, well, kind of dance around the NFL a little bit, too, because there's all kinds of interesting stuff going on. Lots of oddities and some predictable stuff, some weird stuff, I guess you could say. Let's just start off with the uh, Chicago Bears and Dallas Cowboys game that took place last, uh, this past Thursday. They had Thursday night football going on, so the Bears got their beat down early, <laughs> early in the week. Thursday night games have not been kind to the Minnesota Vikings, and well, they haven't been all that kind to the Bears, at least not this year, that's for sure. Soldier Field hosting the Dallas Cowboys, a team that hasn't been playing so hot of late. Um, you know, they at one point were like the top seed in the NFC, now they're you know, then they were down to eight and four, actually seven and four at one point, and then they finally won a game. Well, they looked up pretty good against the Chicago Bears, didn't they? They sure did. They had a massive lead until the Bears wound up scoring twenty one points in the fourth quarter. Wow, that's that's great. I mean they were down by like thirty five to seven for like forever. Good job, uh, Chicago. Great. Great job. Thirty five to seven. That's that's just great. Okay, not forever, but they were down thirty-five to seven for uh, for a point there in the third quarter. Bottom line, they were trailing the whole damn game, and they just aren't playing good. It's just not their year. This is the nail in the coffin. The Bears are now five and eight. They are done. Once you lose an eighth game, you're done. Once you lose a seventh game, you're probably done. Most of the time, barring some kind of crazy comeback and a lot of bouncing of the balls for other teams across the league, because sometimes just teams cough up their they're uh, positioning, they lose three or four games in a row to end the season, and well, guess what? They lost to the wrong teams, per se, to that end up killing their tiebreakers, and they're done. Where you end up winning some games that uh, boost your tiebreakers. I don't think the Vikings are in the greatest position in the whole tiebreaker category right now, but again, we'll get back to that when, when it matters. DeMarco Murray, Tony Romo, and the Dallas Cowboys marched into Soldier Field and Wallop the Cowboys for the mo- or the Bears for the most part, forty-one to twenty-eight. After the Bears, of course, saving some face with a lot of uh, touchdowns against the uh, with a couple t- with three touchdowns against the Cowboys in the fourth quarter. Oh goody! Uh, what's really crazy is the Cowboys are undefeated on the road, so they've lost four games at home, yet uh, they're undefeated on the road. I-, I-, I guess that kind of makes sense. I mean, the Cowboys always seem to underachieve at home, don't they? That seems to be the case this year, and on the road they are. Well, they're Lone Rangers, man. They're they're Road Warriors, man, in a big way. Tony Romo, huge game. Almost a perfect type of game. 200 yards plus, 205 yards, 81% completion, no interceptions, 138.0 rating. Three touchdowns, if I didn't say that already. Jake Cutler put up nice numbers, actually, but wasn't good enough. And just to... He's not a leader and all that good stuff. And the Bears' defense is absolutely terrible. That has nothing to do with Jay Cutler, but Cutler's just not somebody you can count on to make the big play and not somebody you can count on throughout the game because if Jay Cutler's so great, how come the Bears are trailing 35-7 to after three quarters? You know, 14-7 to in the first half. Okay, that's one thing, but where was Romo in that? Or where was Romo? Yeah, where was Romo? <laughs> where was Cutler in the third quarter? Zero for the Bears. That's right, zero points for the Bears. And he didn't get the Bears off to a good start in the first quarter either at home. In a game you pretty much have to win to have any hope of saving face. Ah, whatever. They've quit. On, they, they, they've quit. They probably want their coach fired anyway because they realize he's just not... He's not a leader of men. He's a leader of um, probably of... Uh, well, a, a CFL. <laughs> CFL level. Yeah, he's a great coach. The NFL doesn't seem to be cutting it, especially not with 
the kind of quarterback Jay Cutler is. Doesn't seem like anybody's going to get through to him, and it doesn't seem to matter anymore either. DeMarco Murray is a superstar without a doubt. So if there's any talk about Adrian Peterson go to going to Dallas, it's like, what's the point? Do you, you really just want to get rid of DeMarco Murray, or is it a financial problem with him, a financial thing? No, we'll take him. I would love to take DeMarco Murray in Minnesota, almost 200 yards on the ground, a touchdown there, and he also managed to get about 50 yards receiving, so well over 200 total yards in the game, nine catches, you know, all those screens, short passes, all that good stuff, ripping up the Chicago Bears any and every way possible, Des Bryant also a star along the way, Cole Beasley being a solid second, third receiver for the Dallas Cowboys as he is, the Bears just kind of are what they are, they are what we thought they were, they have talented players on that offense. In fact, really talented. Alshon Jeffrey, 95 yards in the game and a touchdown. Marcellus Bennett, 84 yards and a touchdown. 12 catches, by the way, for Bennett, who's a really good uh, tight end for the Bears. Matt Forte, 9 catches along the way. Or excuse me, 8 catches along the way for 74 yards. Brandon Marshall, 61 yards. Good God, you'd think the Bears were kicking ass, but they weren't. They weren't stopping anybody. And, yeah, a lot of those numbers happened in the fourth quarter, but still... The talent's there. <laughs> and, and you know, you know, it wasn't all of them happened at that point in time. Jared Allen, fairly active, but of course he's active when they're down by a trillion points rather than when they're like, have a chance to like take the lead or are winning or all that good stuff, making big stops when they need to, where he was nowhere to be seen when it all mattered most. Jared Allen was what he, what he is. He's just not that good anymore. And he sometimes maybe he never, uh, okay. Maybe in some ways he never really was, but in others, I guess he, he was good, I suppose. Great pass rusher, but that's about it. I mean, there's more to being a defensive end than just being a pass rusher, isn't there? You know, I mean, than just being, just sacking the quarterback. You might want to force some more hurries. You might want to bat some passes down. You might want to stop the run. Yeah, he did that sometimes here, but in Chicago, I, I'm not sure really what Jared Allen does there. He just makes plays here and there, but ultimately, he doesn't make them on a consistent basis, and the Chicago Bears are dead Dig the grave. Six feet under. Let's go. Start digging. Come on. Start make, Start that shovel. Let's go. Let's get it going. Start carving up the tombstone. The bears are done. Regardless if I kind of semi like the bears or not, they're done. Let's move on to Detroit, who, uh, well, kicked Tampa Bay's ass. And now we have to go there next week. Yeah, that's the NFC North roundup, I guess. We're going to kind of... Hop right into Detroit already. That, did, that didn't take long. They're 9-4 and four and in second place in the NFC North, but very likely going to make the postseason with a wild card. The uh, fifth or sixth seed, unfortunately for them. That kind of sucks for them. They're going to have to hope Green Bay loses tomorrow night to the Atlanta Falcons or somebody along the way that they're not supposed to lose to. The division-leading Atlanta Falcons. We're going to have a really bad... Uh, NFC South champion this year. And it ain't going to be the Saints, I'll tell you that. That's another one of those oddities. I'm going to get to that here in a second. In fact, maybe I'll do it right now before I start previewing Detroit. Because as I talk about Detroit in the NFC North Roundup, I'm going to be previewing Detroit at the same time. They are next week's opponent, and the time has been changed. For those of you out there that don't really pay attention to the time until, like, it's game time, it's not a noon game anymore. It is a 325 game yeah, it sucks. I hate it. But then again, in some ways it's good. Then I can go get my, my workout in instead of after the game. I can get it in before the game. <gasps> yeah, and in a lot of ways that'll probably make my fiancé happy. So there you go, none. I hope you're happy about that. <laughs> yep, then we don't have to like split up and then get back together after the game and all that good stuff because I am not going to have anybody like uh, bothering me when I'm 
getting doing the you know watching the game so I could do the show. So it's just one of those things, you know what I mean? So uh yeah. Uh but then again, I mean yeah, okay. We'll get that's off air and who cares. Um what was I looking at? Here we go. Well, for one, Arizona beat Kansas City. They finally stopped their little snide there. They were nine and one. They got to nine and three. They are now ten and three. So congratulations, Arizona. A big win over a team that uh well, a former podcaster used to do that, and I cannot really mention his name on this show again for, again, another off-air type of thing. I, yeah, I'll just leave that alone. Yeah, here's your other oddity. Uh, there's going to be quite a few today. Huh. <laughs> uh, and I don't feel good about this. Uh, the Battle of the Bay. You know how there's two cities and there's a bay area over there, you know, in California? You know, the the Golden Gate Bridge that separates two big cities, Oakland and San Francisco. Well, they had a nice little football game today. And unfortunately, it wasn't the Super Bowl or anything. And it doesn't look like uh, either one of them is going to any Super Bowl. Oakland might not get back to the Super Bowl ever again. <laughs> Maybe not. San Francisco, they're certainly not going to go this year, man. They They lost to the Oakland Raiders. That's it. It's over. They lost to the Oakland Raiders. I mean, they they, they lost... To the Oakland Raiders. They lost to, to the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll be okay. They, they, they lost to the Raiders. Yeah. 24 to 13. Well, the Raiders might have screwed themselves out of a number one pick, but they, they beat their cross city rivals now. Oh, oh, the team that they almost never play. In fact, I almost, I, I barely even remember Oakland and San Francisco playing each other. Slap me across the head. Those of you out there that maybe remember some great games back in the good old days in the 80s between Montana and a better Los Angeles Raiders team, but then again, it wasn't a Bay Area battle in the 80s, was it? <gasps> unless it was like 19... like <laughs> Unless it was like the early 80s. It wasn't even 19 anymore. Well, like 81-ish or so when Oakland was there. It must have been nice to be an Oakland Raiders fan back then, though. You know, John Madden didn't even have to draw on a screen back then. He could just draw on a, on a whiteboard or a chalkboard or something instead. You know, that was probably less annoying. <clears throat> Anyhow... Yeah, 24-13, San Francisco is done. San Francisco is done. <sighs> yeah, I, I don't like it. I, I, I don't. Uh, New York Giants, boy, how bad are the Tennessee Titans? They want that number one pick too, don't they? They're also 2-11, and along with Oakland is 2-11. and And Jacksonville's 2-11, and it just goes on and on. So now there's a, there's a, there's a uh, log jam for... Uh, <laughs> Two and eleven teams. Congratulations! There'll be no one and fifteen team this year. New York Giants win thirty-six to seven over Tennessee, with the guy that I'm, uh, you know, high that I was highly touting a lot last April. But Zach Mettenberger, quarterback, unfortunately, a injury today to him, a shoulder injury. Not sure if it's anything major, but um, didn't really check too deep into it right now because this is not a Tennessee Titans show. But um, yeah, that's a team to keep an eye on. Long term, Zach Mettenberger versus Teddy Bridgewater. Granted, I'm really happy with what Teddy Bridgewater brings. That that gamesmanship, that clutch ability that he has, has me extremely excited. And this is going to be an ultra long show. I got to keep moving. Miami looked like they were going to beat Baltimore. They didn't. Blah blah blah. They blew that one. But here's probably one of the yeah. This is the last of the odd scores here before I finally get back to the Detroit game. Good thing I don't have to review a Packer game right now. Uh, Carolina beating New Orleans in the Bayou. This is the same Carolina Panthers team that got creamed by the Vikings last week, right? You know, was it, you know, they just destroyed them, right? Vikings destroyed Carolina last week. You know, just roll all over them. The Panthers won 41-10 to today in New Orleans. Wrap your head around that. 
This is the strangest season in the history of football. Who's going to win the Super Bowl this year? The Atlanta Falcons? I mean, what the hell's going on here? Are, are, are they going to make the playoffs at like 7-9 and nine and win the Super Bowl? That might be the next thing that's going to happen this year. Dead serious. Pick the Falcons if they make the playoffs. Just, just pick them. It ain't going to be the Saints. And good. Good. The Saints get what they deserve. Stomp them into the ground, Carolina. Just stomp them in. Oh, just stomp them right into the ground. They know... They know, that, you know, they know they're getting what's coming to them, and they they're gonna keep getting what's coming to them, and until until I say otherwise, uh huh, uh huh. Anyhow, let's just move on. <laughs> I think I'm worn you guys out with this goofballness, but it is what it is. I mean, I'm having fun. I hope I hope you are too. Yeah, Kelvin Johnson's healthy. Yeah, Golden Tate's, you know, that solid possession receiver who can be even more when when need be. Yeah, Drake Bell's the running back that can catch the ball and all that goes. Oh, and by the way, Reggie Bush is healthy too. Yeah, the Vikings have to play the uh, Detroit Lions next week in Detroit. Yikes. Drake Bell right now, at least today, number one running back for the uh, Detroit Lions. 18 rushes to Reggie Bush's 8. 83 yards on the ground for Drake Bell. 4.6 a carry. Had a 57-yard scamper along the way. And that was not for his touchdown. It was just a break loose. Ultimately, his touchdown was a one-yard uh, rush to the right, ultimately, which put Detroit up 14-3 to over the hapless, crappy 2-11 and Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were also in competition for the number one pick. It is a logjam right there. 34-17, to Bears roll, or Bears, Lions. Yeah, they wish Bears roll, Lions roll all over Tampa Bay in Ford Field. Nine and four, and if the Vikings go into Ford Field and beat Detroit, well, yeah, <laughs> well, it's just one game, but boy, it's a, that's a pretty big win. <laughs> Kelvin Johnson's back though, uh, big time. And remember earlier in the year, it's like the ankle was just plaguing the guy beyond belief. He'd be getting one catch and such, or he'd be missing the game, but it'd be like one catch for like eight, for like nine yards, and that'd be it. Today he had eight catches for 158 yards, and and uh, pretty much uh, got things going for the Lions in that first quarter. A six-yard touchdown. It wasn't the 58-yarder along the way, but still, good golly. Jeez. Uh, Detroit all over the place. Joyke Bell had two touchdowns receiving, by the way, in the game. Three touchdowns on the ground for Joyke Bell. So those of you that actually play fantasy football, unlike me, you won. <laughs> if you had Joyke Bell on the roster, at least your chances probably pretty high. And I think your chance is equally extremely high because if Matthew Stafford was your quarterback because he had an elite foot had an elite game today. Aaron Rodgers like numbers. Three hundred and eleven yards, almost eighty percent completion, three touchdowns, no interceptions, quarterback rating one, three three point three. Absolutely rolled all over this hapless, crappy Tampa Bay defense, who by the way are again run by Lovey Smith and Leslie Frazier. Not a ringing endorsement for those two guys in any way, shape, or form. They're supposed to be defensive coaches. And um, it's just further proof that Tampa 2 is just not going to happen. It's just not working at all. The only time they looked good is when they played us, but luckily we won the game. The only time Percy Harvin looked good is when he played us, but luckily we won the game. So thankfully we haven't had too many uh, you know, slaps in the face by former players this year. At least not, not too many, except for Jared Allen, a son of a gun. Oh, Tampa Bay, what the hell do they even... I mean, just look at their running game, and of course, they're playing from behind. They're not going to be able to run much, but God, it's... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Vincent Jackson, huge game. 
That's uh, the only. That's uh, the key right there. This time around, Teddy Bridgewater won't be playing with a sore ankle like he did last time around. He was just coming back from that ankle injury, which had to have been pretty sore to have missed a, to have missed the Green Bay game like he did. Um, that's the key. You're more likely to get some something going with the passing game than you are with the running game against Detroit. And yes, I know it's Tampa Bay's pass, passing game is going to be more bloated because they had to pass the ball way more than they had to run. But at the end of the day, Detroit, <laughs> that's the only way we're going to beat Detroit again, I think, is Teddy Bridgewater because that offensive line is unbelievable, or defensive line is unbelievable in Detroit. And that's going to be uh, the doom of the Vikings if the offensive the Vikings' offensive line continues to suck the way they have been. Vlad Dukas was back in there. I can't say he was much worse than Charlie Johnson, who was injured in the game, but it's kind of a day-to-day type injury, at least as of right now. We'll see what's going to happen going into next week. But the Vikings offensive line and Teddy Bridgewater are beyond belief the key to the game going into, going into Detroit. The running game is what it is for the Vikings. If we have somebody blow up, great. But ultimately that defensive line in Detroit, I, I don't have a whole lot of faith running against them right now. I, I really don't. I mean, they're so freaking good. I mean, did we get much of a running game last time around? No. <laughs> and Teddy Bridgewater was sore, and the defensive or offensive line didn't do anything against that incredible defensive line of Detroit. So, obviously, the keys to the game, without a doubt, are the Vikings' offensive line and Teddy Bridgewater. End of story. I mean, it is what it is. And, of course, the fact that the Vikings' uh, running backs are kind of, you know, we don't even have Jarek McKinnon anymore. The good news is Matt Asiata being physical, I guess, is more likely to break something through a, such a physical defensive line of Detroit than a small Jarek McKinnon. But who's to say? Maybe you could get some type of screen pass going. I think if you're going to beat Detroit, it's going to have to do with a combination of Teddy Bridgewater and um, Jerry's Wright. I think Jerry's Wright needs to have another big game. You need to, you need to get some of those passes out to Jerry's Wright be it the screen passes, like like today. I mean, he's gonna yeah. You're gonna have to have a big play type of type of situation where Jerry's right breaks a tackle or two, and next thing you know, he's open out in the flat, and it's adios. <laughs> That's the hope. Or maybe he gets 30, 40 yards, gets tackled, but still gets 30 or 40 yards. I mean, that's gonna be. That's going to be the key to the game. You're going to have, I mean, I think the Vikings need to target Jarius Wright more and more. Cordero Patterson is what he is. Hope for hope hope to get lucky with a kick return with him or Marcus Geralds. Cannot really see as much going on with either one of them right now, but that's the only hope of getting anything out of uh, Cordero Patterson right now is that he breaks loose for a uh, kick return touchdown, and that's about it when it comes to him. Is the Vikings passing game Ultra key, if Teddy Bridgewater's on his back, the game's over. <laughs> That's basically where things stand. And unfortunately, the Vikings offensive line to me does not tell me the Vikings are going are gonna to stop that Detroit defensive line from getting to Teddy Bridgewater or at least hurrying Teddy Bridgewater into throwing the ball away or making inaccurate passes. Um, it's going to be an annoying game for us to watch. Even if the Vikings win the game, it might be pretty annoying. I mean, the, the the offensive line will have to be unbelievable in the game. And Teddy Bridgewater is going to have to have the game of his life, I think, per se. The game of his, his early life. You know, it's not going to be the best game of his whole career for the rest of his career, but maybe his best game to date. It's going to have to be that type of performance for the Vikings to beat Detroit. 
And right now, I think that's a little bit of a tall order. I think Bridgewater represents, but I think Detroit's defensive line is going to be the key to the game, unfortunately, because it's <laughs> there's no reason for me to believe that it's going to be any different. If they were able to perform the way they were in TCF Bank Stadium, who the hell is to say they won't be able to perform that way in Fort Field? So, I think the Detroit Lions win the game. I mean, Josh McCown was sacked six times today, folks. Six freaking times. That's a lot. That's way too many. Uh, two sacks by DeAndre Levy. A sack by uh, Andre <laughs> Andre Flellen. Dominican Zoo with a sack. George Johnson with a sack. And Ezekiel Ansah with a sack as well. Six sacks for the Detroit Lions. If the Vikings give up six sacks next week, it's going to be about the uh, same type of score because I think Detroit Lions offense is going to it's going to probably score some points against the Vikings. Um, if they're playing anything like they were today, you know, if, if if Matthew Stafford is even semi-sharp, I think Detroit wins the game. Detroit's defensive line is what they are, and and Stafford is even decent. Detroit wins, and, and they're going to. I'm going to go with 28. Detroit's not going to score 34. They're going to score 28, and the Vikings are going to score. 28 to 20, 28 to 20 in a kind of a black and blue kind of kind of you know good at moments, flashes at moments, but kind of black and blue type of game. We'll call it. Teddy Bridgewater is going to look better than he did last time around, but it's just not going to be enough. And Detroit's going to win the game. So 28 20, Matthew Stafford and Co. score the points they need, and that defensive line is going to beat the Vikings' offensive line, and not allow Teddy Bridgewater to, to exploit the one semi-slight weakness of the Detroit Lions, and that's their secondary. So there it is. Um, at least, you know, so, obviously their linebackers and their D-line are elite. Their secondary is the one one way. Maybe Vikings would have a chance, but I don't think Bridgewater's going to be... Um, I don't think Bridgewater's going to have the time to be able to do that, unfortunately. So there it is, 28-20. I've repeated myself enough when I talk about the score. Let's take a break. And let's go back for the fan interaction and wrap things up right after this. Do you shop on Amazon? Did you know that you could support this podcast just by doing your normal shopping on Amazon? It's really easy to do. Just go to thesportsstuff.com and click on one of the many Amazon pictures. Do your normal shopping, and Amazon sees that we referred you, and they give us a percentage. We'd like to thank you in advance for supporting thesportsstuff.com, and please use our Amazon link. Now enjoy the rest of the show. Contact us and support Purple Mafia by liking us on Facebook and following us on Twitter. Don't forget to call into our phone lines at 209-736-7877. That's 209-736-7877. And we are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number three. That means it's time for fan interaction. We almost had a call today, but unfortunately I'd already gotten started here on the show and... Not sure if Dylan Richardson would have been able to get it to me, so I had to unfortunately tell uh, Brent Jacobson it's a little bit too late to call. Tried to call me about 8 o'clock here, so unfortunately it's a little too late to do the show. 
or to do the uh, to do a call in. But always welcome to call if and when you can. If you can, try to call in the, in the afternoon, maybe six or so at the latest, maybe seven ish central, seven ish. There's a chance you can get in. I mean, I, I just don't know what what Dylan's schedule is. It kind of changes. It fluctuates. Some of us have the kind of schedules that fluctuate. Luckily, right now, I'm not in that type of job anymore. That was in the past, like like 2009-ish. And, and earlier, I had the kind of job that fluctuates week to week. Whereas, um, yeah, some generally now, it's just like <laughs> Monday through Friday, but a lot of overtime and sometimes some Saturdays and all that. But, yeah, why am I saying that? Other than, yeah, that's the difficulty of getting a, a call in on occasion. But always welcome to call if and when you can. Hey, there's always time for those of you out there to call right after the game if you can. 209-736-7877, which was already mentioned in the jingle. That's why I don't like to mention it on the show as much anymore, because you hear it already. Um, only one, uh, ultimately only one comment, because I always open up things for the Facebook page, of course. Um, I open it up with what people say uh, when I post out the new ep- post that the new episode is out. Uh, ultimately, I was saying I'm aware I didn't so much as even mention Percy Harvin in the Jets preview, but do you blame me? Gerald String saying, great show as usual. Looks like CP got benched. I liked Zimmer's no BS policy, and I like it as well. Gerald String, a back-to-back Gold Star winner. Will it be a three-peat this week? Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know yet. <laughs> McKinnon. I posted that McKinnon is on the IR. Out for the season. Matthew Kyle out of Maine saying reports that Adrian will win an appeal. And obviously nothing yet on that one. Mark Carlson saying, bravo, Sierra. I'm guessing he might mean BS about something, like BS that uh, McKinnon's out for the year. Josh Moore may or may not be his first post. And uh, welcome aboard, if indeed it is. Welcome aboard to you, Josh Moore. He says, AD will play when Ray Rice plays next season. And I can understand that that take. There's nothing wrong with it. Ultimately, the season's almost over anyway. Um, But, I mean, yeah, I can agree with it, and I can also see where somebody might not like it either. I mean, it's up to you. This is all about the whole, uh, it's all about opinion and such. Matthew Kyle pointing upward and saying neg, as in, like, he's being, Josh Moore's being negative. Uh, It's negative, realistic, whatever it is. It just is what it is. I mean, we all see, we all see things slightly differently at times. And uh, this is just one of those cases where, uh, I don't know. Uh, I ultimately say that I'm surprised with Asiata this year, but think McKinnon has far greater upside. Dave Hickey out of Iowa, and Mark Carlson's out of Iowa, of course. Um, Dave Hickey's saying that really stinks because a few good weeks and he could have a thousand yard season. And there was a chance, yeah, it's too bad. Cause, yeah, he missed a couple of weeks before uh, even being out for the year. So, yeah, I think uh, McKinnon, with a couple of good games, he might have had a good game today. You never know. That uh, last week he most likely would have with the way things went. Such a bummer. Justin Day saying good. Now get Joe Banyard the damn ball. Yeah, they gave it to him once and he got nine yards. Um, it was nice that he got the nine yards, but they only gave him the ball once. So I can hear Justin Day's frustration. Justin out of Rochester, Minnesota there. Really understand the frustration there. Joe Banyard can play, and I, and I liked him last year, if you guys can remember. Last August, I mean, August 2013, I was really big on Joe Banyard making the team. Matt Asiata has continued to hang on to his position as the third down back, and then ultimately now he's kind of like a starting back for basically <laughs> for basically the last three years now, which is kind of crazy, but it is what it is. At one point he was the third string, actually, uh, running back, because uh, but he kept making the team that way. He just kept making it every single year. 
Not that I dislike Matt Asiata. Great goal line threat, but a full-time starter, you're never gonna you're you're never gonna get anywhere. Never. It's just not gonna happen. Yet he still might be better than Toby Gerhardt, even though some people think Toby Gerhardt's better. I don't think Toby Gerhardt's better than Matt Asiata. I think he's a big hole out of nothing. Alright, anyhow, Teddy Bridgewater was chosen for the Pepsi Rookie of the Week. Thoughts, everybody. Thoughts. And I only got two comments back, but they're at least everyone's happy. Mark Carlson saying this is a good sign. And Brent Jacobson out of Lakeville saying, I wasn't aware of the award until I saw that. <laughs> oh, But don't be surprised if he gets that award again. Shoot, I mean, he had a hell of a week. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if he gets it back to back. Because I thought he played even better today than he did yesterday. And we will eventually be getting to the Fran Tarkington and DeVaris Jackson Memorials. At the end of this, uh, at the end of this segment, and then it's also where I pass out the stars for the best comments of the week. What the heck? Oh, okay, I said no McKinnon this week. Now it's the one on IR. Yeah, I forgot I posted twice. So McKinnon out for the uh, season. Plot thickens, and I had it, and I lost it, and there it is again. Bo Bell. May I think he's posted before, but nice to hear from you again. He says, bring on AP. I like that idea. Patrick Gant saying, time for AP to make his return. Brian Grimmer saying, AP or Rice. Wish it was AP, but he wants a fresh start somewhere else. Mark Carlson, Mark out of Iowa saying, we, parentheses, the players, team, and fans, we're just getting to know each other. Thanks for the update, Mr. Palladino. Yep, and about, uh, yeah, we're just getting to know McKinnon, yeah. Mm-hmm. Brent Jacobson saying, I wouldn't be, I, I would be utterly shocked if the Vikings took on the public relations nightmare that signing Ray Rice should be. They probably strongly believe or have inside info saying that Adrian will be reinstated. Mathematically speaking, the Vikes are still in the playoff hunt, and yeah, they're still in it. Yes, they even showed it on the board today when they were uh, t- showing, you know, during the game, the announcers put that on the board. Vikings in the hunt, believe it or not. Felix Depel out of Germany saying, I think we brought Tate in just in case something like this happens. Did we claim uh, him off waivers, or did he, cl- or did he clear, and we signed him as a free agent? Let's see how he does. Asiata should only see goal line touches. Um, yeah, we we brought in Tate. Yep. Yeah, we we did claim Tate off of waivers ultimately from Cleveland. That's what happened. Yep. That's what happened. We uh, claimed him off of waivers out of the Cleveland Browns, who ultimately let go of Tate because he wasn't happy with his role in Cleveland. So, rock and roll there. For the record, the Minnesota Vikings have not beaten the New York Jets since 1975. An insane statistic, even though we don't play them very often. 1975. Yeah, and I talked about that way back at the beginning of the show. Comments, got six of them on here. Or actually five, but um, Felix DePel saying, who cares? Today, Teddy will lead us to victory. And it's like, eh, I just thought it was interesting a bit because it's a pretty long, long winning streak. And Felix coming up with something pretty interesting here saying, uh, there are several strange streaks. The Calgary Flames have not won in Anaheim since 2004. Every streak will end sometime and the Vikes will end up with the victory today. Skull. Yeah, that's that's quite a streak considering the, the uh, Mighty Ducks and the Calgary Flames are in the same conference. I mean, they play each other four times a year or so. At least at least three in the past. That's pretty crazy. Four times a year? Man. And uh, you only... I mean, you haven't beaten them in ten years. That's crazy. But yeah, for the Vikings, it's only once in a while we even play the Jets. 
It's like once every three years or so. But still, that's uh, quite a win streak for the uh, New York Jets that finally came to an end today. And it took overtime to get there. And, a, and an unbelievable play and audible by Mr. Teddy Bridgewater. Paul Jones saying, are you talking about them playing in Minneapolis and not, and not just beating them? Because I remember the Vikings beat the Jets in New York on a Tuesday night. Um, that was actually Philadelphia. That was Philadelphia. Nope, this is a, uh, this is, this really was 1975. That was Philadelphia on a Tuesday night. Remember that way back in the, yeah, the, the draft killing, dra- the, the draft killing run that Leslie Frazier did? I mean, do you know how much damage that man did to this franchise? <laughs> unintentionally, because he's a, he was a really nice guy, but unfortunately, some unintentional damage done to the franchise that night and along the way with the porous defenses and softy vanilla type of coaching. Yes, sir. Vanilla should only be in vanilla bean buffalo sweat, not not in your defense. Oh, man, that's got a nice winter warmer taste to it. Mark Carlson saying, when was the last game against the Jets? I do believe it was 2010, Mark, if, they can, if you can believe it. So that's about three, four-year period, and we know what happened there. Vikings got stomped by a still pretty decent Jets team. That was when Rex Ryan was still, was maybe his, like, his third year with them, and they were uh, pretty coming on pretty strong still. After a NFC uh, or AFC Championship game performance the year before in 2009, Gerald String saying that streak will end today, and yes, it did. Vikings versus Jets in-game threat. I may bounce around a little bit, but I don't think I have much. Uh, I'll kind of get to the end. Sebastian saying bleep. I need a drink. <laughs> this guy. Gerald String saying, let's go Teddy Dagger, and that was obviously just one play or two plays. It was the first throw by Teddy in overtime. And there was a win. Jeff Roiland saying, boom, a win is a win any way you look at it. I agree, Jeff. Brent Jacobson saying, I was afraid Kersey would burn us in overtime until I found out he was hurt. (laughs) Yeah, Percy hurt again. (laughs) Uh, you, You just can't make it up. As Dembrero would say, you can't make it up. That is just priceless, isn't it? Matthew Kyle in the post-game thoughts. And it's always light because, I don't know, it's probably because you guys don't get enough time to post or it seems like you're already worn out from the game and don't want to post in there. Because, I mean, this time you had a good three, four hours to post in there. Look at you guys. Look at you. Post like hundreds of comments during the game, but only a couple after. Matthew Kyle simply saying, dang. Patrick Garant saying, a wild finish. Mark Carlson jumps in with... With all the injuries and despite so many penalties, we pulled out a W in a very exciting game. Todd Grunlian saying, great game. Gerald String saying today, really reminded me of one of those old school Vikings victories. Not real pretty, but still a W. Yep, very cool and well said. And <laughs> Gerald's probably going to be a star candidate again, if you can believe it. This guy is moving up the, uh, the ranks in a big way. Then I had to mention another note. My guy, Jarius Wright's 87-yard touchdown is the third longest in overtime in NFL history. So the third longest overtime touchdown in NFL history was Jarius Wright's 87-yarder. Pretty cool. No uh, comments on that post. Um, and I just I saved that for now because this show is filled with statistical anomalies and such. There were a couple of other posts during the week, and I will get to them out of respect to you guys out there. Branch Jacobson posting... An article from Jim Suhan was saying how the Cowboys are looking like they're paving the way for Peterson. Very crazy. Uh, Brent commenting saying Jerry Jones seems to have 
uh, not-so-secret man crush on Adrian Peterson. While we won't duplicate the King's Ransom, we gave up for Herschel, what's-his-name, we could get some young players, and, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, sure, you know, I mean, as long as, as, long as we believe uh, McKinnon is ready to be the starter, or if there's somehow, some way, somebody slips to us in the draft, that's like, you have to take him, like a, like, <laughs> like a, like uh Eddie Lacy slipped to the Green Bay Packers, much to our chagrin. You know, he was the best running back in that draft, and he just fell and fell and fell, and he just fell and fell and fell, and everybody knew he was the best running back. There was no guarantee he was going to be a star or anything, but that he was a at least legit running back in this league. He was going to be legit, and once I saw the Packers take him, I was like, oh, great. Sebastian saying Decker comes home and Harvin faces the team he bleeped over. And yes, every time I say bleeped, it's a four-letter word that starts with an F. Because <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that word on here. I can, but I shouldn't type of thing. I mean, I, I don't have the show on explicit, so it would be kind of impolite of me to say it out when the show doesn't have the warning for listeners out there that may or may not want want the swearing or per, per se. Maybe they have kids. Maybe they play this when their kids are around. So type of thing. Even though I do drop a hell and damn type of thing here and there. Sebastian also dropping this one saying, interesting, obviously we would have to win out, but does anyone realize we truly could make a statement here? Jets should be a win, Bears should be a win, Dolphins would be a good game. Mm-hmm. Detroit's the tough one though, unfortunately. Detroit is absolutely <laughs> the tough one for the Vikings to make the postseason. And, yep, and he posted up the whole playoff scenario. Crazy to think that Detroit right now, before today's game, would actually miss the playoffs. How the hell is that possible? It's just, that's why it's almost insane to think the Vikings would actually be in the post. He could have a shot at the postseason. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. It's actually very crazy. Philadelphia lost today, by the way. Excuse me. Yep, they lost to the Seahawks, who continue to march up that playoff bracket. And I hate it. I don't like it. Uh, Sebastian saying Teddy called an amazing audible to win the game. Yes, it was. And Brett Jacobson takes the picture and posts it on there from the Jumbotron saying Teddy strikes again. The Jumbotron at the TCF Bank Stadium. It's, uh, you know, only, you know, <laughs> there could only be one. There can only be one. The real Jumbotron there in TCF Bank Stadium. Very, very cool indeed, without a doubt. So now we quickly try to wrap up the Facebook page. We move on to the Twitter account. I had some interactions off and on throughout the game. Mostly favors and retweets, but hey, that's a compliment when you get those. And a couple of followers here and there along the way as well. Let's see how far down I gotta go to get something going here, though. Had it, and then semi-lost it for a little while. And here we go. Robin Sullivan was tweeting me earlier in the week, saying how she really liked the show, and I really appreciate that. And such, she's saying thank you for posting it out. Minnesota Vikings recaps with Purple Mafia Show. Awesome as usual, Joey. Thank you very much, Robin. Really, really appreciate what she had to say there. and Kind enough to retweet the information out there to uh, her followers. Brent saying, and here we go, Brent also saying, I highly recommend the Purple Mafia Show to any NFL Minnesota Viking fans out there. Paladino Live does a great job. That being me, of course, Purple <laughs> Paladino Live, that's like, my uh, my oh my just just the Twitter account with me so, so to speak on there. Thank you so much, Brent. Really appreciate you for that in a big way. 
Here we go. Dave Martin saying, this is start, starting to look like Percy versus the Purple. And yes, Brent Jacobson is a star candidate officially. And yeah, I believe Robin will be as well. Yes, yes, yes. Dave Martin saying, this is starting to look like Percy versus the Purple. And... Hmm, there's only a couple on here. Here we go. JP, Justin Pullman, saying way too many touches for us to out of this game. Uh-huh. Can't disagree with that. Yep, a couple of tweets from him today. JP, Dave Martin saying, dreadful second half. We deserve to be in this position. That missed field goal is going to bite us in the arse. Star candidate. And yes, we did deserve to lose the game if we did because that second half was freaking horrible, guys. It, it really was. Basically unwatchable. Just about anybody... Watching that game. I mean, the frustration was unbelievable. That's very strange. I thought JP uh, tweeted me again. That's really weird. I didn't delete it. or I mean, I didn't delete anything. What the heck? Well, actually, only he could delete it. Maybe he just retweeted something. Yep, there it was. He just retweeted some stuff. But, um, all right. Thank you for retweeting. Malcolm McSween wrapping up the... Uh, <laughs> wrapping up the fan interaction segment on the Twitter page and all that good stuff saying that was hard to watch. He killed us with extended plays. And I'm guessing you mean, yeah, you mean uh, Geno Smith. Yep, because we couldn't get, yeah, we couldn't get Geno Smith down. That almost did cost us the game, and that's why I was so utterly frustrated along the way. Our defense is good and everything, but sometimes just just wrap up the damn quarterback and say, I can't believe they miss. And it's been happening a lot, and it's kind of been the story of the Vikings forever. A lot of times, you know, you have a sack and you just cannot bring the guy down. It's unbelievable. Part of it's the competitive ability of the quarterback. He's just so competitive and he fights through this and that. It's cute and wonderful, but damn it, <laughs> you just you just hate to see it happen to you. And luckily, it didn't end up costing us the game and be an utter embarrassment like the Philadelphia 76ers did to the Timberwolves if I ultimately record that show tonight. Mm-mm-mm. So, let's get to the awards. Fran Tarkenton is going to go... It's going to be like a tie, I guess, this week because... Yeah, it's going to be a tie. It's going to go to Jarius Wright. Flight 17. Flight 17. Ready for takeoff. Jarius Wright. (laughs) Flight 17 with that 87-yard catch and, and explosion. Missed tackle and all that good stuff. And, of course, the man who threw him the ball... The man who threw a great pass to Charles Johnson. The man who should have three touchdown passes on the day. The guy who threw for an outstanding quarterback rating in the first half. A perfect quarterback rating almost in the first half before that heave for interception. And of course the uh, um, the uh, great the great plays down the stretch. Ultimately the clutch ability. Two minute Teddy. Two second Teddy. Whatever it is. Teddy Bridgewater is also a tie with Jarek Jarek McKinnon, Jarius Wright, I'm going crazy, Jarius Wright for the Fran Tarkenton Award of the Week. Just unbelievable, awesome players. And on the other side, we have... (laughs) We have another tie. Isn't that lame? Yep, we have another tie. It's going to go to the same two guys that got it last week. And no, it's not Captain Munderland. He was a candidate for it. But he'll, he's not going to get it. He was okay. And that's pretty much what Munderland is. He's okay. He hurt us during this game today. He hurt us. But he was okay. Matt Khalil almost got us killed again. Uh, Cordero Patterson has been useless 
and he was useless again. So there it is. Tavares Jackson goes to two players, along with two players for the Fran Tarkenton Award. Sorry to drive you guys nuts for that, but it is what it is. Gold stars. Let's start off with the bronze if I can. I'm going to try to kind of go upward if I can. Maybe to make things a little bit easier and such. But uh, the support and the friendly, just always the friendly words and supporting this show and, and, um, you know, telling followers and all that stuff. That, that really is helpful to me. It's really helpful to the show. And first of all, and really before I even give out the awards, I got to mention for people out there that have an iTunes account, obviously it's free to have one. And a lot of people have iPhones and iTunes and all that good stuff. Please write me a review on, on, <clears throat> on iTunes. Write, write a review on iTunes for Purple Mafia. If you really like the show and you want to help it out, and others have done it over the, over time. Gerald's done it. Brent's done it. Uh, Malcolm's done it. Really appreciate you guys. And there's others out there as well. It, it helps the show. I mean, the more five star, four star ratings out there are going to encourage new listeners to listen. Maybe guys are screw, like screwing around on the internet. It's like, huh, you know, there's about three or four Viking podcasts, or there's two Viking podcasts. Wonder which one. Well, they may or they may want to listen, want to read some reviews first before they listen to see what what to what to look forward to or what not to look forward to. And hopefully, you can tell them what to look forward to. It would only help so much, and they will guarantee you at least a bronze star, if not a silver or gold star on the show, if and when you um, do post your review on iTunes. It would be greatly appreciated. So here we go. Bronze Star is going to go to Robin Sullivan. She, she's been so supportive to the show and so supportive and to me and such and uh, just so nice and adds a lot of good, adds some good takes here and there as well. But uh, yeah, just really want to say I appreciate that and there's a Bronze Star. And of course, it does, you know, it does have some things to add to the show along the way. Today, I don't think there's any takes on the game, but just retweeting the show. I mean, that that's really nice. It helps. Silver Star, well, easier said than done, right? Uh, Silver Star today, it's going to go to Brent Jacobson, also retweet, retweet, I mean, you know, retweeting out the show, telling everybody how much you love it. And, uh, you know, he attempted to call. And I he, he's in the Purple Mafia Call of Fame, without a doubt. The Call of Fame, without a doubt. And the Hall of Fame, without a doubt. He's an inductee to the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame, <laughs> ultimately. I also want to give a bronze star, to uh, a silver star, to Dave Martin. What an awesome comment. <laughs> it was awesome. Brent Jacobson and Dave Martin are both going to get silver stars today. You know, lots of good takes. Good things to offer to the show. Really appreciate you guys. And, um, hell yeah. You know, for those of you out there that tell the, tell your friends about the show, how can I not appreciate it so very much? But the gold star, <laughs> lots of energy along the way on the boards. A guy who puts energy into this show so much and who has done it on the air before as well. On the air. Via Skype. <laughs> Sebastian Balls, you are a gold star. You are also a Purple Mafia Hall of Famer and have been for a while now. Sebastian Balls, this is your time. Once again, gold star. There it is. Sebastian Balls back in the gold star range. Dave Martin with a silver. He's gotten a gold or two, I think, in the past. But yeah, Dave Martin always, always got some nice energy on the Twitter Always got some intense uh, takes and some, <laughs> some strong takes and some funny takes as well along the way. Saying how the game is just making him want to 
want to head to the bar, look at you. <laughs> no, but I, I don't blame you. Today's game was really crazy. He didn't actually talk about that today. It's more or less we deserve to lose, and, you know, without a doubt, it killed us. And um, really liked uh, Malcolm's comment there. Yeah, those uh, extended plays. Oh, it, it, it almost cost the Vikings the game. So um, just want to thank all of you so much for listening to the show, supporting it. And, well, now we're heading to Detroit. The season's still alive, believe it or not, hanging by a thread. I don't see us winning the game, but if we do win the game, well, that's reason to be kind of, that's reason to be pretty optimistic, not only for the short-term future, but for the long-term future of this franchise. And today, Teddy Bridgewater, without a doubt, has me pretty doggone encouraged, at least, for the long-term future of this franchise. The Minnesota Vikings, ladies and gentlemen, have a quarterback. With that, I'm going to leave you with that thought as we head into next week. Well, yeah, I I don't really have to say stay warm because it's been pretty warm. And it's going to stay fairly warm. There might be some snow in a week or two, but ah, this isn't a weather forecast show. I just like to bring it up, though, at the end for the hell of it sometimes. But um, with that, I'm going to give you all my goodbye for the week. Wish you a good, healthy, happy week. Stay, stay, you know, stay healthy. Avoid any potential viruses out there, which do pop around and fall in winter. And uh, have some more vanilla bean, vanilla bean, <laughs> buffalo sweat. Take care, everybody.